Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Bucs make another change at quarterback. That's four if you're keeping score since the end of last season. This time, it's back to the future with Jameis Winston. Dirk Cutter had made his choice and wasn't ready to talk about it at his press conference because, well, he hadn't met with Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick individually. He wanted to do that first. We'll tell you what Cutter had to say and whether Ryan Griffin may get a chance to uh, get a look as maybe the number two. So we've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Hey, before we get started on this podcast, do you want to be a millionaire? Where for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought you the cool comfort of air conditioning for the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, look, you've got a lot of choices in the air conditioning business. You have to go see our friends at Millionaire. They're currently offering... 0% interest for 72 months on their qualifying equipment. Now give them a call at 727-862-2100 and take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit. Or you can schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort. Trust Millionaire. Okay, Steve, so I was over at uh, One Buck Place, made my long trip back from New York, up awfully early trying to take that cab, or actually it was an Uber to uh, LaGuardia, got out safely, and uh, made for a long day. But when we got to uh, One Buck Place, I figured, well, it's like 3.30 in the afternoon. Surely by then, Dirk Cutter would have not only made a decision at quarterback, but he'd be ready to announce it. (laughs) Not so fast, my friends, as my uh, friend Lee Corso would say. He hadn't talked to uh, either Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick yet, so at the time that we spoke to Dirk Cutter, while he did talk about the position, he didn't want to name the quarterback until he had a chance to talk to them. But no big secret, uh, no big uh, drama. A few minutes later, uh, I I broke the story, but uh, they later announced it that they will, in fact, be going back to Jameis Winston as their quarterback in Sunday's game against the 49ers. And that's not a surprise given how Winston came off the bench and led him to four touchdowns in the first four possessions that he played. He wasn't perfect. He had the fumble in the end zone to end the first one that Mike Evans recovered. He threw a couple balls that really Adam Humphreys had to play defense to keep from being intercepted. Um, but he did he did do a nice job, and, uh, and the biggest thing was he was productive where Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the three interceptions uh, and, and was not. So I, I don't, you know, I clearly – Dirk Cutter chose Fitzpatrick in what was as important a game as they played, you know, up there in New York against the Giants, a team that, that is, you know, a team they could beat and probably should beat. And and yet now he's almost, in some ways, he's almost forced to go back to Winston uh, simply because if both guys are going to turn the ball over, there's no reason to go with the older quarterback. So in where you're at in the season, you know, at 3-7, and seven, very unlikely you're going to make the playoffs from here. So they, they probably need to use these games or as many as, as they can to try to find out a little bit, a little bit about Winston. But, you know, th- this, this, it, the funny thing is, is that even though I understand why I wanted to tell them first, 
everybody knew what was going to happen here, right? I mean, it was this was not a secret that they were going to go back to Jameis Winston. No, but you you know, as a manager, you have to actually have the conversation first. Now, the, you know, sure. my only question, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But did he wait to have the conversation until after the press conference so he didn't have to talk about it today, or did he just not really have a chance to talk to him beforehand? I tend to believe Dirk's good about this stuff. I tend to believe that he had not talked to them. Now, it's weird to me that... Oh, no, I, I'm just saying, you know, did he wait to have the conversation until after his press conference on purpose so that no, he didn't have to talk about it in the press conference? And it doesn't no, matter. I At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But Yeah, I don't sense that was the case. I mean, I think he, he had told us he was going to talk to us, and he wanted. He came in there right off the bat and said, hey, look, I know I said this, but I haven't. I made a decision, but I haven't had a chance to tell our players yet. I don't think that was his way of not having to talk about the situation. We then asked him about both guys. Mm-hmm. So he still had to discuss both quarterbacks, maybe not in the context of who was starting. Um, but I take, I take Dirk at his word. I, th- I think if there's one thing about him, you know, with a lot of coaches, they spit cliches and sort of condescending or whatever. You know, Dirk, if you ask him a direct question, he'll give you a direct answer. And I didn't sense that, um, that, that he wasn't being truthful. And then, in fact, not too long after that, like I said, um, the news broke, and, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I reported, and they later announced that they, in fact, were starting Winston because I, I got a note from some people that said he's meeting with the quarterbacks now. Um, so we knew it wouldn't be that long. Now, he didn't come back out and talk after that. Um, but you know enough about what he's thinking. I still wonder, though, what, what if any residual there might be from Winston's side about Cutter choosing to stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though Fitzpatrick had turned the ball over uh, as well. So um, I'm not saying that that will affect how he plays. I mean, he certainly wants to be successful for himself and, and try to redeem himself. Well, look, he's playing for a contract. He he's playing for he a really contract. Is. He really is. Is he going to just make $20.9 on a guarantee for next season, right. or is he going to get a bigger deal, or whether he's auditioning for somebody else, whether it's a new coach in Tampa Bay or another organization? This is important for him. I think it's extremely important. It's really important for the organization because, you know, in addition to where your draft status is going to be based on how many wins you have, that's one thing. Um, but also, you know, they they need to know if they're going to go forward with this guy because it affects your salary cap. It affects um, maybe who you hire as a head coach. It affects maybe who stays on your staff, um, if anyone. So there, there's a lot of things that, you know, that has to be ironed out. And Jameis is going to provide those answers. I mean, he's going to be the one that's going to go on the field and do it. And they should have a better idea after if he's able to play these six weeks. That was the thing, though. We asked Cutter if, you know, if this was it for the rest of the season because clearly you don't want to go back and forth. And he made it clear that that's never his intention. It never has been. But something has happened where they've had too many turnovers or – um, you know, something's gone on where he felt the need to switch quarterbacks. So I, I would imagine that this will be it, that Jameis will quarterback the rest of the season unless he's just so bad that they can't go forward. But um, this is his chance, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a small sample size. You'd like to think that three and a half years before that has more impact than what these last few games will. But he's going to get his chance to finish out the year, and we'll see. Maybe he can get this team. They play the 49ers. Who are not a good football team. They have fewer, one of the three teams with less wins than the Bucs uh, with just two wins. They've got to fly 3,000 miles. Oh, by the way, speaking of the 49ers, we're going to have John Lynch, the general manager of the 49ers, on this podcast uh, in a couple days or so. And uh, be happy to bring you that. Great story about John, you know, leaving the broadcast booth at Fox and going to uh, the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan as their general manager. 
So that'll be uh, something to look forward to. But um, yeah, getting getting back to Winston, I mean, I I, I mean, he's got to embrace this. You know, he could be um, a different quarterback if he wants to be, if he has the discipline not to turn the ball over. And and I think starting the game will be easier than what he did the other night. Look, he came off cold, no reps. That's a hard thing to do. It's not something he's done a lot in his career. He was fairly sharp given all the circumstances with that. He wasn't perfect, like I mentioned. But if you give him a week of preparation going into this 49ers game, the thing about the 49ers is they have even fewer turnovers than the Bucks do, which I believe the Bucks have one interception. So that gives you an idea of what San Francisco's defense is like. And um, so I, I think this is a winnable game. It's something where they absolutely need it, not for draft position, but certainly for uh, for Jamison to feel better about things. So we'll see. I, I don't know long term, though, Steve, what it means for Dirk Cutter. I don't know if, if he's turning to him and essentially saying, hey, hey, big guy, this is where we started. you got to be our savior and go, go save everybody's job in football right now. Yeah, it's kind of uh... – it's kind of an interesting, you know, juxtaposition where, you know, Dirk's Cutter's job may rely on Jameis Winston now, the guy he benched. It does. Um, I think it all. I think all of their jobs do. do. Yeah, and, and you know, I was thinking earlier today, and, and you ended up asking a similar question at the press conference. But if you ha- if you had to do it all over again and think back, that would it have been better to stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick even after that buy? And my question being that Fitzpatrick was playing out of his mind the first three games. Didn't have a great fourth game against Chicago, but quite frankly, the defense had given that game up so early it was over. And and Fitzpatrick didn't play bad, but he didn't play great. But he, you know, it's about riding the hot hand. And yeah, he didn't have a great game, but the team was still playing well. It was two and two. Would it have been better to stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick there? Because once you benched Ryan, went to Jameis, and then went back to Ryan, the magic's gone. And, and maybe through yeah. the bye week it wouldn't have kept. I mean, you don't know. But I know you asked a question today of Dirk about, you know, hey, is the rotating quarterbacks affecting them? No matter how it occurred, I mean, we know Jameis was suspended, so Ryan started the season. We know he played well. But the, to have to go back and forth, how disruptive do you think that's been to just the overall offense or to those players in particular? Well, for sure, to those players in particular, of course. I mean, that's that's a you know, of course, they, both those guys would rather play the whole time. Uh, you know, how much it's been disruptive to everyone else that's that's difficult. That's difficult to say. But uh, you know, our 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 quarterback play in general has been spectacular at times, and not not good enough at times. I mean, that's that's just the story of, of where we're at on offense right now. I mean, uh, you know, almost every game we, we get some beautiful, beautiful play at quarterback, some, some tremendous throws, some great decision-making, some beautiful adjustments. But at other times, <clears throat> we get we gotten some bad decision-making, which have resulted in turnovers, and that's that's hurting our that's hurting our team. Granted, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and and you know you don't know how it would have you know the games would have gone from there on out, you know because Jameis didn't play horrible in, in the first game back, but it wasn't great. You had turnovers, of course. That's I mean that's what they have every game it seems like anymore. Right. But if you really had to do it again, you know that if if you're really playing to win, mm-hmm. and who gave you the best shot, the quarterback that was setting records on offense and led you to two and two. Now, you know, Jameis has been in there. It's not like the offense has tailed off, particularly yardage-wise. So yeah. it's not like you, you know, hurt your team in that regard. 
but I just wonder if it would have been better to do that. And maybe, you know, maybe not organizationally, definitely not for Jameis, maybe better, but. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, certainly anytime you, you take a quarterback out and there's a lot, a little lack of confidence shown, there's, there's, you know, sort of an adjustment, I guess, for the players. Didn't seem, you know, the, the comment I get from the coaching staff, from people there in the front office is, you know, why can't we find a quarterback? Why can't one of them, meaning either Jameis or Fitzpatrick, why can't one of them not turn the ball over? You know what I mean? Like, if you just had a guy, and and, and they, the only guy they haven't tried is Ryan Griffin, and I don't know that he would be successful enough to, to throw in there now. But um, when you have – and I mentioned this to, to Dirk Cutter – is it possible that you have two quarterbacks that are really the same guy only 11 years apart? I mean, the mentality of Ryan Fitzpatrick has been throughout his career, he's a little bit of a gambler. You know, he's a little bit of a gunslinger. He likes to throw the ball down the field. His his interception percentage was 3.4. This season it's closer to 5. 5% of his passes are intercepted. That's a very high rate. Jameis Winston was 3.2 in his career. That's a high rate. So, you know, what I asked Dirk was like, look, you know, when you get these two guys, is it really that much a surprise that they throw interceptions and make turnovers, even though you obviously don't want them? And, and I think there's something to that. And I also think, and this is just a theory of mine, I have nothing to back this with. Look, Jameis Winston watched those first two games, okay? He watched Ryan Fitzpatrick come out and kill it, 48 points in the first game. Over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Um, beating the Super Bowl champion Eagles. Over 400 yards and, and four touchdowns. And and so, and even the Pittsburgh Steelers game on Monday Night Football, you know, he dug himself a hole, Fitzpatrick did, but he came back with an amazing, you know, second half. And I'm just wondering if Winston, once he got the reins back, didn't say, it's not enough for me to go out here and just win games. I've got to rip guys the way Fitzpatrick's been doing it. I got to show them I can do the same thing, you know. And it's just kind of a mentality. It's like, hey, you know, anybody can play this position. This is what this is what we do. And I don't know if that if that screwed him up or not. But well, it's that mentality. Back, you never want to see another man do your job. Yeah, and, and you want to. You do gave it him as well the opportunity, he and he did it better than you've done it the past three years. Sure. So sure. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's part of it. Now whether that's what's led to the, the amount of interceptions and turnovers he's had this year, we may never know that. And you know, but you know, and, and the hard part too is is look, this is a team game as well, and most teams have defenses that set them up periodically with short fields and right and, and field position and that. And the Bucks don't get that at all. No, that, they that can't defense overcome is historically, and it's not an excuse for Jameis or Ryan Fitzpatrick because most of those turnovers are their fault. A handful haven't been, but, you know, bad to say. And Dirk Cutter talked about, you, you talked about how honest Dirk is. You know, I asked a question yeah. about the Ryan Fitzpatrick when he said it was a 50-50 ball, and Dirk was like, no, it isn't. Well, that wasn't a 50-50 ball. That was a, that was a bad decision. That, a 50-50 ball is a ball that's thrown uh, deep against the proper coverage, and that's not what that was. And, you know, I mean, I'm sorry if I have to disagree with that, but that's just not – I'm not, not going to lie about that. That's a – that wasn't a that wasn't an opportunity ball. That was a poor decision. Yeah, he pounced on that. He sure did. And most of them are, are their faults, but you know this defense isn't helping them either. I mean, you know, I think I think part of Jameis was yeah, I think it was trying to keep up with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But the other part is is I got to score every possession because my defense can't stop anybody. And and I yeah, think and he, I think both of them have fallen into that trap. 
he's always sort of been that way as a quarterback. I think yes. one of his strengths is one of his weaknesses, and that is that Jameis thinks not only can he make every throw, but he has to make every throw. Mm-hmm. That he has to be the reason they're winning. You know that. Yeah, everybody says it's a team game, but I'm the guy with the ball, and I'm I'm going to be the reason we win. When in fact, a lot of times that mentality makes you the reason you lose. And he's never really accepted, you know, um, sort of his role in the offense, which is which is immense, but does shouldn't determine whether you win or lose every single game. Uh, and and that's sort of the way Jameis has played the position. So you know he he. I think I think he did I think he did feel pressure. Um, I think that now I think he's probably been humbled even more than he was with the suspension because this is something that they did um, saying to him essentially that you're not as good as the other guy. So you know who knows how he plays. He should play the game different. If Jameis plays the game and he understands his role in an offense and on a team as opposed to thinking he's the whole deal. I think he'd have a chance to be successful at this level. But I wonder, too, about the relationship between him and Dirk. You know, he said something after the game the other night. I love my head coach. You know, he has to make some real tough decisions, and I know that. That that seemed pretty, you know, noble of him sort of to say that. But I'm not sure how much I believe because from what I know, he's been really frustrated that Dirk gave up. He There's a feeling, I think, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but certainly, let's just say in the Winston camp that, you know, they, they, they're they kind of gave up on him. I mean, for lack – I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It's like you chose the other guy, and now you're going back to me, you know, which it's not a great analogy, but, you know, if you leave your girlfriend for somebody else and it doesn't work out, good luck trying to get back in the old, girl's, old girlfriend's graces, right? Absolutely. I mean – She's looking at you a little different, like, oh, okay, so now now you want me back. But 15 minutes ago, you were in love with somebody else, and that's kind of the way this has gone with Dirk Cutter and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so now you got to go back to Jameis because, one, he earned it. And so they're kind of stuck between what's best in the short term and what they know is best for the long term of the organization. But doesn't that kind of go and- back, and we were talking last week on the podcast, Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. about and, and this may not be the right word for it but you know does Jameis feel a little bit entitled in that I've always been the starter I've always been the focus I've always been everything about sure. the team and and you know while in college you know one player like that can will the team to victories and and that and yeah. in high school certainly but once you get to the pros it's not that it's simple anymore and one guy no. generally can't do it all I mean look at Aaron Rodgers and some of the, you know, the season he's having this year well, he's playing sure. well, but his team, you know, is right around 500 there. I mean, and he may be the best quarterback in the NFL. That, yeah. you know, that he can feel bitter that that Dirk, you know, gave up on him or whatever else. But was it justified by the, based on the way he was playing? And that, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's fine that you think you should be the starting quarterback, but if you're not playing as well as the other guy. Well, look, after the Cincinnati game, I mean, it was obvious they had to take him out. I mean, you know, the fourth interception, the pick six was just egregious, and he he more or less threw that game away. And you saw what New Orleans did to Cincinnati's defense. They just completely plowed them, and that's a bad defense, and the Bucs should have had their way with them, you know. Now, having said all of this, the Bucs are scoring points no matter who plays quarterback. They're scoring a lot of points. They simply can't stop anybody, which means when they have a turnover, and every team does. You can turn on the TV. You see Tom Brady turn the ball over. You'll see Matt Ryan turn it over. Ben Roethlisberger the other day won a game with three picks, I think, um, in Jacksonville. So it happens, it happens everywhere. You know, the problem is, is that this defense is not good. And it's beyond not good. It's a bad defense. So they can't overcome your mistakes by either getting a big stop or a turnover. And like case in point, these 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 two games that they lost, even in Cincinnati where Fitzpatrick comes off the bench and rallies them and ties the game on a two-point conversion, but there's a minute and some change left. And that is all that was required because that defense could not hold up and they they allow Cincinnati to go down and kick a field goal and win the game. And, you know, that, and so the other night, Jameis Winston gets him in the end zone, about five, five and a half minutes to go, cut the lead to three. You need one stop. You've got three timeouts. And they hit a big ball, you know, down the field to Ingram. And then they eventually, you know, score on Saquon Barkley's touchdown. So they've not been able to get the stop when they need to, and I think that also – adds to the pressure you're talking about with Jameis or with the quarterbacks in general. No, I think it affects the play calling. It affects the, you know, players forcing the issue. It, it, it affects everything in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- there's times in the game you have to rely on, you know, player or unit to either make a stop or make a play on offense or, you know, special teams, whatever it is. And, but, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the Bucks, you feel like with the defense, you can never count on them. Right. And they've got injuries and – we're going to find out, you know, more about guys like Justin Evans and um, some of the guys who were unable to go at New York. Off on the offensive side of the ball, it's even more scary because O.J. Howard, if you remember that play he had in the seam route uh, at uh, New York the other day, he he kind of landed. Somebody landed funny on his leg. It almost looked like he had broken his ankle or something thereabouts, but it's an ankle injury of some kind. And uh, we were told by Dirk Cutter that OJ was going for a second opinion on his ankle. And and what I have found that to be about is that they don't like the first diagnosis because why do you go get a second opinion? It's like, yeah, no, you got a problem here. Oh, really? Uh, are you sure? I think I need a second opinion. Um, but Dirk did say he got some good news, so maybe it's not like season ending perhaps, but it looks like that OJ is going to miss some time at minimum. Yeah, OJ Howard. Yeah, and then we now know Kendall Beckwith is not going to be back this season. That's so correct. So just too. further Another depleting tragedy. that linebacker core. Yeah, and that's a tragedy for him because, look, Kendall Beckwith was a guy that wasn't highly drafted, but he came from LSU. He's a bigger, much taller, much bigger linebacker than they typically had. And he was a passenger in a car last April in his home state of Louisiana, and there was a car accident. And I guess he must have crushed his foot or his leg or something. Um, but he had been in a cast for some time. And, you know, the Bucks had 21 days to see if he could actually make it back off this reserve list. 
But then Dirk Cutter announced on Monday that this is going to be it, you know. And and you just wonder about what the kid's future is going to be because, you know, I've seen guys get in car accidents. I've seen guys, you know, have different injuries that end their career. And you think, well, you know, why would something as small as that? But you just don't know what kind of stuff he's dealing with. He's been trying to come back from this since April. So that was a long time ago. And he, he practiced for about two and a half weeks. And they determined that he's not NFL ready. So... That's a shame for Kendall Beckwith, and they certainly could use him with Levante David out, with Quan Alexander on IR. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough. Riley Bulla had kind of a tough day. Darius Taylor didn't play all that great. It's been tough on the linebackers. Very, very tough. And, you know, I mean, really the whole back half of the, the, the second, I mean, the defense, the secondary too with Chris Conte and Vernon Hargraves out. and Sure. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, the defense has been historically bad. They've had a lot of injuries. Um, the frustrating mm-hmm. part is the defensive line, which seems to be the healthiest unit, doesn't seem to get enough pressure outside JPP. Right, right. They had four sacks the other day. Mm-hmm. I mean, two were credited with McCoy. One was a touchdown. I get that. Um, and JPP actually made it to 10 sacks, and then they took half of it away. So he's stuck at nine and a half, not quite in the Simeon Rice territory yet. Um, but there was no coverage. There was no combination. I mean, when 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 Eli Manning can complete – 17 of 18, he is not harassed. <laughs> I mean, he's sitting back there patting the ball, right? And they had receivers with huge separation and big chunk plays. You know, it was it was really something. Finally, a guy that we didn't mention that didn't get any credit, and he deserves some, uh, is the Bucks place kicker, Cairo Santos. Five Did for five. Those? Yeah, man. I mean, and right down, you know, people were coming. It's so funny. It's like, not only did he kick them, but he kicked them right down the middle every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the idea. Um, it's but, the best yeah, way to was, make them. That way, any wind was, or anything else, it, you know, that's right. you got a little fudge factor there. He was real consistent. I will say he's a smaller guy. He's a smallish guy. Not the strongest of legs. I mean, you could tell with his kickoffs that they were not all going very deep in the end zone. The first one got brought out to about, um, you know, the 40-yard line. So you're going to sacrifice some of the power. But you know what? After all the misses these guys have had on extra points and field goals over the years, you would think this would be welcome to them. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, we'll see how he does under, you know, an actual field goal situation. The Bucks didn't attempt one on Sunday, so we'll sure. see how he does when, you know, I mean, the extra points are like a field goal now. but it's I don't, 33 I, yards. I don't think yeah. the pressure's there as much. I mean, there is pressure and, and based on the way it's gone, but, you know, it's teams trying to hold three points off the board instead of a point, so... Um, We'll see how that goes, but you know, good. Hey, like as we talked before the podcast, hey, it was a guy we didn't mention. That you know, every yeah. week we mention, you know, the kicking was an issue again. We didn't have mm-hmm. to mention that on yesterday's podcast. I mean, it's really stunning just what a low percentage the Bucks kickers have at home. You know, versus about eighty percent or so on the road, and and the curse just seems to be real. I mean, it's been a thing for them. But hopefully, uh, for their sakes, they'll get out of it at least the last few weeks of the season with Santos and. So far, so good. Um, finally, uh, a couple of other things we want to talk about here real quickly. The Rays made a trade, apparently. They did. They traded uh, right-handed pitcher Che Wei Hu to the Indians. Um, essentially, that's clearing a 40-man roster space off the team. Uh, he was acquired in the Kevin Jepsen trade from a few years ago, and they got back an 18-year-old infielder, Gianti Turner, who was a 27th-round pick last June. So, uh, you know, a low-level prospect that maybe they'll make something, maybe not. But essentially, the Rays have about four to six players that are going to be uh, Rule 5 eligible this year. 
that teams might take a flyer on. So you've got to get, add them to the 40-man roster. So that means you've got to clear spots. If you're going to keep all six of the players, possibly, you've got to clear six spots on the 40-man. So this clears one of them off, and you've got a player in return. Uh, the deadline is 8 o'clock tonight. So, um, you, know, th- you know, Mark Topkin in the paper today reporting that the players most likely to be dropped or traded. Uh, Oliver Drake, who's a pitcher, Hobie Milner, Andrew Moore, Jose Mujica, Austin Pruitt, and maybe uh, infielder Andrew Velasquez. If you remember, he was up at the end of the season, a fast guy. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and C.J. Crone possibly could be traded before then, too. They're looking to trade him, uh, maybe to get a better overall hitter, even though he hit 30 home runs. So so the Rays will make some moves today at some point to protect those players from the Rule 5. In the Rule 5 draft, for those who don't understand, once you accumulate so much time in the minor leagues, um, unless you're on the 40-man roster for a team, then your other teams have a chance to take you from their roster. But the key is they have to stay on the big league roster the whole season. And if you, mm. if you send them down, then the other team has the option to take them back. So it's a way to, for players that have been in the minor leagues long enough that aren't getting a chance at the big leagues to get a chance. Especially yeah, if they're not getting so. it with the other organization, you can go yep. make it up there. You know, a few years ago, so. uh, Joey Rickard, uh, Baltimore, took a flyer on him, and he's you know played for the last few years, and he's been a Rays killer, actually. He was a Rays prospect that the Orioles took as a Rule 5 draft pick, and, and he's stuck on the team for the last few seasons. So there's not a lot of them that do, but, you know, teams will take a flyer, and like you said, a month in, the player's not working out, you send them down to the minors, and the other team can take them back if they want. And, you know, there's no, it's kind of no risk to it. Um, other than it's taking up a roster spot. Sure, and the hot stove league, I'm sure, is going to get heated here uh, in a while before long, that's for sure. Finally, the Lightning were playing at Nashville. How are they doing as we take this broadcast? Well, they lost 3-2. to two. Uh, Spirited third mm-hmm. period. They kind of got manhandled in the second period. Uh, but a spirited third period uh, kind of stormed back, played really well in the third period, just couldn't put uh, two of them by Pecorini. They were down 3-1 going into the period. So Cooch had a nice breakaway. Uh, point fed them uh, to get it to three to two, but they and Braden Point hit a post with about six minutes to go to try to tie it. Uh, mm. But uh, they just lost three to two as we're taping this. So uh, Lightning actually fall to second place in the division now as Toronto won tonight. So uh, oh, wow! And actually, don't look now, but Buffalo is one point behind the Lightning. Yeah, they're not bad. Buffalo, no one expected Buffalo to. I mean, they were going to be better, but no one expected this good through you know at the quarter point of the season or twenty one games in. So. Uh, Lightning head home now. They finished the road trip two and two, so it's an okay road trip. I mean, John Cooper always says you want one more point than games played, so they right. got four points out of four games. They would have liked five, but you take the four. You come home now. You got Florida on Thursday night or Wednesday night, right before Thanksgiving, and you get uh, Chicago Friday, and I believe it's New Jersey Saturday, and then a couple more and games will be, next week. I will be at that game. On Wednesday, that'll be a lot of fun. The girls are going to go. Yeah, my girl's going to go, and it's uh, no school this week. Of course, Thanksgiving is on Thursday, so you know you want to make sure that uh, you guys get ready for that. That's coming up. It's one of my favorite holidays. The Bucks are still going to practice, though. They'll be out there. We'll be out there as well. Um, Hey, speaking of Thanksgiving, how do you make your turkey? How do you do your turkey? Well, I don't. I don't cook. So I mean, like my my uh, my sister will do a turkey, and there'll be lots of people over at her place. But they bake it. I mean, they, they right. do their own. I you smoke know, they, mine, they, so I, sm- I smoke it on the big green egg, and it th- yeah, comes out wonderful. I mean, it's got to be phenomenal, yeah. yeah. I've, heard of, I've, I've heard and tasted smoked turkey and that they come out great. Mm-hmm. Um, we're more traditional, just oven-baked, and, yep. and the stuffing is the key. You know, I, there's a certain you know recipe, a homemade stuffing that I have to have 
we'll talk about food because if I start talking about food, I'm just going <laughs> to get hungry. Um, but you know, I I love thing. To me, Thanksgiving and and look, Christmas with kids is there's nothing like it, right? I mean, and, and for what the holiday means, and you know, if you're a Christian, the birth of Christ, and all that. So let's let me just say, I'm nothing holds a candle to that if you're uh, of a Christian faith. But as far as just enjoyment. What's better than eating a lot and watching football all day? I mean, this is a holiday that is just synonymous with the gluttony of my, of my, uh, of, you know, my youth, of my, uh, I mean, just anything. I mean, you're, you know, you got the trip to fan, you take a little nap, you know, it gets mm-hmm. you a little drowsy, um, come back, have some, have some sandwiches, maybe some dessert. You know you're going to put on a few pounds. Nobody cares, really. Yeah, wear right? the loose pants ahead of time, so you're prepared. Yeah, all that. I mean, you know, turn the air conditioning up, some sweaters maybe, whatever you got to do. Um, but enjoy yourself. You know, it's just one of those days. Of course, the Bucks practice, which doesn't help. Um, one of us will be out there, whether it's me or Ann and Cena. But, yeah, you got family that, you you know, you don't always see a lot. And I don't know. I just think – and then, you know, to top it off, when that day is over, you can begin decorating, at least in our house, for the Christmas holiday, no, we've already started decorating for Christmas. So, have you? Okay, yeah. yeah. Our, our well, our kids are really young too, and my wife loves Christmas. So our, the trees are up. We don't have the outside decorations up yet, but our uh, tree in the house is yeah. up, and a few other, you know, some garland and a wreath. And, well, look, you know, that's I mean, you know, that's reasonable. You're getting you're yeah. within a few days of Thanksgiving, and yeah. And we also had company come starts. into town, so we wanted to have that done beforehand, so we didn't have to do it over sure. Thanksgiving weekend. So. That's that's pretty cool. Hey, and speaking of cool, it just because it's Thanksgiving doesn't mean that uh, you're not going to need to cool down your house because one thing about fall down here, winter as the case may be, we know that it's not always uh, frosty outside, right? Well, so you get all those people in the house, we, it's going to heat up. It's going to heat up. You're going to need air conditioning, and you might need your air conditioning fixed, or you might need a new one. So make sure you call Howard and Sue Million. They brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, and they're making thousands of residents millionaires. So call Millionaire Air Conditioning for their new train air conditioning unit or schedule service or maintenance at 727-862-2100 and do that today. So busy week ahead. We're going to probably have Matt Baker maybe a day or so early. We'll see if Matt's agreeable to that to talk about college football. Of course, it's rivalry weekend. This is my favorite weekend in college football this weekend. Everywhere you go, Michigan, Ohio State. Florida State, Florida, Florida State still with an outside chance of uh, winning enough games for a bowl berth. And the war on I-4. Yeah, war on I-4 is coming up, which is going to be great. So just, I mean, all across the nation, Notre Dame, USC, there's all kinds of games that will pique our interest. So we have lots to talk about uh, with Matt Baker. So I do I do have a surprise, I guess. Should I tease it or just, I? well, I'll just say it. This this could be my last podcast, Steve. What? Some breaking, yeah. What? I well, listen, I do this not purely well, You're pulling a Tom financial. Jones on me now? A little bit. I mean, this is not just for the financial game, but let's, there is, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not going to do this for free, right? So I've gotten an opportunity, and um, there is an email that, that hit my email server today addressed to me um, from uh, Miss Maria Warlord Ibrahim uh, Kolabalai, who's 24 years old from the Ivory Coast in West Africa. Turns out she's the daughter of the late Chief Sergeant Warlord. I can't pronounce the rest of their name. And, yes, she has decided um, to deposit, uh, per his instructions, $27.5 million, of which she says I can have 40%. 
So can I get a loan? I, I, I well, maybe if the money shows up. <laughs> now, apparently, all I got to do is give all my bank information to her, and we'll be set. So but, if you're here tomorrow hey. night, that means it didn't show up. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, yeah. Or, and I might be broke if I did this, but I don't. I don't know if you've had this opportunity or not. No, I'm a little jealous. Why didn't I get offered? I don't know. It sounds. It sounds completely above board to me. So, for those of you who are jealous, go ahead and play the lottery. I've got. I've got $27.5 million that's just waiting to be deposited in my account. So, anyway, if that doesn't come through, I will be back here uh, Monday through Friday. So, anyway, that's that's what I got going. It's a holiday week. We're still going to have programming Monday through Friday. Make sure you get here. And you can always interact with us at SportsDayTB on Twitter. Or you, you can um, go ahead and, and uh, message me if you want to. Uh, at NFL Stroud on Twitter. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. So, uh, with Jameis Winston back at quarterback, enjoy that news this week. And for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.